This is Capital City with Capital J. Right. And one thing about drugs, it make you not think about your problems. When you don't think about your problems, you don't solve your problems. Right. Right. So, you you know, when you use drugs as a crutch, you put yourself on pause. Mm-hmm. That's all you do. And when the drugs are gone, everything starts back up. Absolutely. So Lil Wayne found himself in jail mm-hmm. with no drugs. Right. Every problem he hadn't addressed. It's crept in. Right. This is Capital City with Capital J. One, two, one, two. Is this thing on? I think so. All right. It's <laughs> Capital City. I'm your host, Capital J, alongside my main man, DL Glass. And this is the Capital City Podcast. Tonight, I want to start the show off with a verse. Don't push me, because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. That's how we're going to introduce tonight's topic. Huh. Mental illness in hip-hop. Whoo! Is it? There's a lot of it. <laughs> and it's getting a lot more attention nowadays. Because of Kanye's recent struggle. But old people, Kanye is not the first rapper to struggle with mental illness. No, sir. So, we're going to be talking about that today, tonight, or whenever you're listening in the morning. You could be eating your breakfast cereal with this. But we want to talk about it because it's important. So, let's start off by discussing those lyrics we just talked about. That was Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. The message we used to refer to that song is probably hip one of hip hop's earliest attempts at conscious rap. Right, everything was about partying. The message was a serious look into the everyday struggle of um, being black in the inner city. Huh. So the hook on that song is "Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under." Right. That sounds like a struggle with mental illness. It's deep. It's very deep. Mm-hmm. So we always like to start at the beginning. Let's start right there. Even the very first rappers were telling you how hard it is to maintain your sanity. One of the first big rap hip-hop songs, one of the first hits, was about trying to maintain your sanity in regular life. Right. You know, they weren't talking about, I'm, you know, about to lose my head because of this rap life is killing me, man. No. No, that was regular life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people calling, collecting bills. Said, my brother's doing bad. Stole my mother's TV. Said she watched too much. It's just not healthy. Huh. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like, stuff going on. This is regular, old real life stuff. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about rappers and their struggles with mental illness. You ready, DL? Yeah, man. I think this is a great topic right here. I do too, man. Yeah. So, first, we already talked about regular life is a struggle for most people, right? Why do artists, why do so many of them seem to be having breaks? You know, and and it's not always something that was that's always like a bipolar diagnosis or something that probably would have happened whether you were in the life or not. Right. But some people reach... Levels of of mental illness just from the lifestyle, right, drags them to a place they can't recover from. And and I also think that um, 
you know, it's a direct correlation between um, poverty, crime, and violence. That that stuff is directly related to um, mental health issues. Well, we start right there. Mm-hmm. That entire song, the message, right, was about everything you just talked about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the struggle. The reason he's trying not to lose his head in the song is because right. of the poverty, mm-hmm. and the violence, and being surrounded with drugs and and all of those things. Right. So we've talked about how there's you know in our community we don't reach out for therapy for these things, and the therapy when you're going through struggles. Sometimes the therapy is the thing that keeps you from going over the edge. Right. Don't push me. I'm close to the edge. Mm-hmm. Trying not to lose my head. Therapy brings you back from the edge. And but we don't get therapy a lot of times. But these conditions continue. Right. I'm I'm glad you um brought up therapy because it's 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 like a the norm is to say that black people don't believe in therapy. And I think that on some regards that's that's true, but you gotta look at um the the bigger picture of why I guess we don't believe in therapy or we've just gotten to a place now where we therapy uh, um, somebody going to therapy is accepted right um because it goes back to like healthcare and not having access to something like therapy. Mm-hmm. And you think about if we go all the way back, and I hate to go this far back. If you go back to slavery, um, the the therapeutic side of slavery was the singing in the fields. That's what slaves did to try to maintain some type of hope and positivity, right? In a dire situation, absolutely. That's the one thing that kept them from being broken. So first, we have to define therapy and what's therapeutic. Because mm-hmm. um, therapy, when we when most people say you think about a man on a couch, right. you know you're sitting there talking to somebody, and that's a therapist. That, but therapeutic things, the scope of things that can be therapeutic to you, right, are way more broad mm-hmm. than a man listening to your problems. Right. So you start off singing. Mm-hmm. Is a form of therapy to help us heal over the trauma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing. Now, now, on a side note from this, let me ask you your opinion on on therapy. Do you think that that the man on the couch has been more, I guess, and I hate to say the word beneficial for us? And when, when I say us, I'm talking about you know products of America, mm-hmm. um, because that's how this whole that's how. What we're, what we're talking about has come about is because this is a product of us being in America. Um, do you think therapy in that sense, laying on the couch, or like you said a second ago, what did you call it, a therapeutic? Um, what, what, yeah, things that are therapeutic to you yeah. are not necessarily always therapy. Right. The way that we have defined it, right. Absolutely. And, and you know, because I think, and, and this is just from my personal opinion, I've been to therapy and I've done things that are therapeutic. Right. The things that are therapeutic are more beneficial to me than actually going to therapy. And on a personal note, like I, I've, I've been to two, three different therapists. I've been to therapists who look like me and I've been to therapists who didn't look like me. And every time I went, the, the trauma that has been associated with my life 
turns into a point of almost them being intrigued or wanting to hear more without offering because it, I know nobody can give you, you a feel solution. Like, like almost like your story is more entertainment all of a sudden. Yes. Right. You know, I, I can see that. But but if I find a way to deal with this, like I think the therapy part of it is great for you identifying that this right here happened and this may be causing you to feel this way. But the therapeutic part of actually doing things that are therapeutic, I think, I guess, enhance the the whole cycle of therapy. And that's one of the things, now just having this conversation with you, I don't hear enough people talking about is completing the entire cycle. Because if you just sit there and have the conversation and it brings back all these memories or all this trauma to you, what do you do with that? Well, when you talk about people completing the cycle, mm-hmm. let's think about who do we know in the hip-hop world who has struggled with mental illness mm-hmm. and come out the other side of it, you know, found the right therapy, found the right therapeutic things to take part in. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to break all this down tonight. People listen, um, first we're going to, we define therapy in a traditional sense is, you know, that's the man you go talk to, you know, you're getting therapy or and then women. things that are therapeutic though, can be good or bad. Right. Because sometimes, you know, therapeutic, here's good things people do. Spend time with family. Mm-hmm. Therapeutic, right? Right. Um, Getting in the booth. Right. Uh, a hobby. Mm-hmm. Things you enjoy, you know, rapping, singing, dancing, art, whatever. Right. Therapy. Um, bad therapy. Uh, toxic relationship. Putting a bullet in your brain. Ah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the end game, it's, you know. <laughs> That's really bad therapy. You know, it feels like you're you're fixing the problem, but you're not, you yeah. know. Um, drugs. Hmm. Uh, people self-medicating. Absolutely. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. All right. And we just got a few examples there. Let's, let's talk about, um, let's use Kanye first because he is the biggest example out here right now that everybody's talking about. Right. Um, Kanye has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And as a producer, bipolar disorder is something I see a lot Mm -hmm. from talented individuals. Right. And, you know, I I don't know what the connection is, Mm -hmm. but it's just it's been a recurring theme, you know, throughout my time in hip hop. A lot of talented individuals especially the ones that seem to stand out. Right. A lot of them have turned out to have bipolar issues. But you think about those, those, the, the, the folks that you're talking about, they do a good job of separating themselves from the art. And that isn't it almost like a, 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 a symptom of bipolarism. Um, Separate acting out or acting other than being being able to to keep going without letting people know that that this is what's going on behind the scenes. You mean? Yeah. Well, they're they're able to do that to a point, but what happens is there's usually one incident, right? You know what I mean? And 
and, and I'm speaking from my experience with people. You know, I, this is I don't know what happened with Kanye, mm-hmm. but from what I've seen, you know, you usually have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're all different. Right. So a lot of times, you know, when somebody's different, the first thing you don't immediately assume that anybody's doing mental mental illness because they're different. Right. You know, you say, well, that's that's that person's quirk. Mm-hmm. As you as you get to know people better, eventually that incident happens, mm-hmm. and that is usually the first time they know episode. Right. Yeah, they, they they didn't know either. Right. You see what I'm saying? So we're all, everybody was in the dark. Yeah. And the incident happens. Now, for a talented individual, the way back from that is tough because the medication that they give you to help control the episodes, mm-hmm. I haven't met now. I haven't met a person yet that has taken the medication. And is 100% the person that I knew before. No. You know what I mean? Right, right. And that's a tough choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially for an artist who sometimes the thing that draws you to their craft Mm -hmm. is their personality. Right. And, you know, drugs that suppress bipolar episodes a lot of times come with the, you know, they, 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 you know, bipolar is basically a manic depression. Manic is the happy side. Depression is the the sad side. Mm -hmm. And in that excited phase, you know, you don't get the excitement either. You may not get the depressed side, but you're not going to get the high that allows you to be at the top of your craft. Or no, I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but this is the, the way a lot of people have felt. You see what I'm saying? So once they take a medicine, the episode is over. Mm-hmm. But now they're not doing what they used to do. Right. They don't laugh at the same jokes. Right. They're not interested in the same movies. Mm-hmm. Not as excited about things they used to be excited about. Mm-hmm. And now the, the, the choice is, do I live with this new me or take the chance on the old me that I like and that everybody's used to. Uh But you have a risk there. Because I also noticed that, you know, this is just from my experiences when people start taking the medicine, when they decide they don't like it and stop taking it, have another episode. Uh Uh And I've seen this so many times. Right. You know, so... We're just we're just talking about about things in general, and I wish we could have people call in because I would like you know I would literally like to know more about about what that's you know what is going on. But you see it with Kanye, and I'm pretty sure that if his case is like the ones that I've been close to, then I can imagine that someone as creative as that is not happy taking any medication that that doesn't allow him to get into full Kanye. Right. You know, we love full Kanye. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. But we didn't know how far, you know, when Kanye went too far, it's like, oh, okay, Kanye, that's enough. But that's part of full Kanye. Right. And when you when you put the clamps on that, then you also, there's just something else is going to be missing. hmm So, you know, and that's a hard choice for an artist to make. I get it. Very hard. Yeah. You know? 
So I, I and my heart goes out to anybody that has struggled, you know, struggled with that. And I, I've, I, and I've worked with so many MCs, man, you know. And um, man, one guy rested so he left his rap book at the house, and I never got a chance to give it back to him. Police killed him. Mm. You know, right? He had an episode, and somehow he ended up without his clothes. Mm-hmm. And you know, but of course, there's no tolerance for that right. from the police. You know, and he's gone now. Mm. And you know, and I've seen people struggle, take the medicine, and 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 go through their therapy and do things like they're supposed to, and they're fine. I, I have not heard of any more episodes. Right. I've also seen people that didn't want to do it, and then they try to self-medicate with drugs and all kind of other stuff right? and just go down a horrible path, you know? Well, the close friend of mine is um, um, within the medical field, and they deal with behavioral patients. And a lot of those episodes come from drug use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have a, a, a bad trip, and that can be any drug, not just the hard stuff. Um, it can be any drug that puts your mind in that alternate state and that person is never the same again. And um, so, you know, I, I think on, on some levels we're all born with um, certain defects and it just takes a traumatic or dramatic experience to bring it out. And sometimes tapping into that creative space may help bring out certain things or or tap into a part of your brain or um, send those neurons and those electrons in a different space that makes you have an episode. Sometimes I wonder if that talent doesn't reside in the same place in your brain as the the dysfunction. Right. You know, because right. when one is cut off, it seems like the other's stif- stifled for a little while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that, like I said, that's probably not every case. These are just this is just what I've seen, right? Right. You know, and I I, I can't say I've seen more than you know than a doctor. You know, right. but I can immediately think of five easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, people that I work closely with, and and these are the artists that for you know for the the masses tend to gravitate towards more or love more. And, and I think that's a testament of how many people actually um, battle with this and, you know, who don't have a voice. Like, you look right. how big or how legendary uh, Guy Rest His Soul Tupac is, you know, and I say is in the present. Yeah, he's still legendary. Yeah, like, but Tupac was off his rocker, <laughs> you know? Not, not, you know, I ain't trying to, you know, say nothing, but. It was pretty, it was pretty, pretty obvious that, that Tupac wasn't thinking clearly, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm pretty sure there was some kind of diagnosis there. If you were to sit down with a psychiatrist, right, long enough, I'm pretty sure they could come, you know, mm-hmm. figure out what kind of thing is going on with him, and there would probably be a name for it. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, the the second thing that seems to to permeate hip hop is depression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's so, like, the life that you live in hip-hop in itself, like, let's not even talk about just the depression. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm going to tell my own story for a little while. And this is like, you're talking about 
the life of late nights, mm-hmm. um, drinking, um, just grinding, 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 grinding. Right. That in itself wears on you. That's and cool. I'm going to tell you my story. I think that a lack of sleep almost affected my mental health. Absolutely. And, and well, I know it affected my mental health, but so I feel like I feel like I got. <laughs> no, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't have an episode, but right. I tell you what, I might have. Who knows? I could have been a year away from one. You know what I mean? Right. But lucky for me, like you know, everything works out the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. In 2007, the economy was bad. You know what I'm saying? Radio jobs were being cut left and right. I lost my radio job in 2007. Right. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me for my mental health. Mm, and you didn't see it at the time. Well, I kind of knew it. I was I was exhausted. Okay, okay. You know, I was I was working two full times, mm. and I could handle it when I first started because I wasn't married. Mm-hmm. Then I got married and had a baby. Hmm. Still DJing. So my day would start about four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Drive to the morning show. Some days I might do a remote. Come home, I work um, eight hours. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, But the only time I really had free time was usually from like 1 to about 2.30 in the morning. But I had to be right back up at 4.30 or 5. Wow. So for about three years, I only slept three hours a night. Right. And I recognized that my thoughts didn't seem like my own at some point. You know what I mean? It's like, like, you know, so I know a lot of people out here grinding it out and sleep deprivation. Right. Will cause you to not think clearly. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you would call it a mental illness, but I know that before that period of time, I could not relate to those commercials on TV where you see somebody sitting there staring out the window and they go, what's wrong? Don't feel like doing anything, mm-hmm. having mood, anxiety, all this stuff right. that I had never felt before. Right. During that time period when I was without sleep for two years, you know, and working three years straight, mm-hmm. no time off. You're talking about DJing all weekend, working every weekend, right. working all week. Yeah. Wife. Kid bills, mm-hmm. it was, you know, right. and and you feel like you can handle anything. Mm-hmm. So for me, that almost drove me absolutely insane. So when they let me go, man, I didn't even fight it. I was like, you know, I I'm, I wasn't I wasn't mad. I was like, this is God just saving me, you know, right? Because He knows that I I will work as long as there's more work to do. I'm gonna show up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I have to I have to be forced to stop working sometimes. And but now you don't have to force me to not work anymore. If it's something that I feel like it's just too much, I don't have time. You know what I'm saying? I just don't. Mm-hmm. Because I've already worked myself raggedy and burnt the candle at both ends and I know it's no good for your mental health. And there's so many people out here in the game right now working too hard. Right. And that cause, you know, panic attacks, stuff like that. Like I never I like I said, I didn't know anything about that stuff. Right. And then I'm sitting there, I'm like, what is this pain and coming in my neck, my arm? You know what I'm yeah, saying? Man. And it's like, I what is this? Right. 
that's stress and working too much. And, and you know, it, that in itself affects your mental state. Mm-hmm. If you do it too long, what turns like a mental illness is something. An illness is something you can get over, right? Yes. But you can actually, and with any illness, if you don't treat it, it can become permanent damage. Absolutely. You know? And I feel like I stopped burning myself out just in time to not have damaged myself permanently. Mm. You know, it took me, you know, a few months I was starting to be like, ah, I feel like me again. Right. You know what I mean? But, um, <clears throat> yeah, these rappers out here, man, um, like Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne was talking about how depressed he was. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I don't think he's ever been diagnosed bipolar or anything. No. So this is, you know, what he's depressed about. You know, we got to think. We look at rappers, uh, stars, and we say, you got everything. What are you depressed about? Right. Well, he was in prison in 2010 when he was depressed. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. And that's, you know, he had a lot on his mind. That give you a lot of time to think because when you're out of prison, you're self-medicating with drugs. Right. And one thing about drugs, they make you not think about your problems. When you don't think about your problems, you don't solve your problems. Right. Right. So, you you know, when you use drugs as a crutch, you put yourself on pause. Mm-hmm. That's all you do. And when the drugs are gone, everything starts back up. Absolutely. So Lil Wayne found himself in jail mm-hmm. with no drugs. Right. Every problem he hadn't addressed. It's crept in. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's Lil Wayne's situation, you know. He said, he end, "There it is. This is his quote about being in jail. I ended up thinking about all types of shit. One, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm quoting Wayne. You know what I'm saying? But that's the first thing he said. He's sitting yeah. there thinking too much. Now, right. right now, my um my internet has paused, so I can't scroll down. But that's enough. That's all I really wanted to say. Mm-hmm. He had too much time on his hands to think without the drugs." To stop him from worrying about the problems Right You right. see what I'm saying So first off top If you're dealing with any type of um, Mental anguish Don't use drugs as a crutch You're just kicking that down the road And if you add new problems in They're all going to come rushing back Right At the same time You, you know you got to be able to tackle things as they come Absolutely. So they don't snowball on you And that's what drugs have done to a lot of rappers out here You know what I mean mm-hmm. And they finally you know and and now it's um you know with some of the newer rappers um and I hate to say some of the newer rappers but they make it okay um to self medicate and to mask the pain and all the other stuff which brings me to you know pain music and um how how that they um use Turn to drug use. Most most of the artists that I you know have experienced with, or listen to, um, that's that's the underlining underlining mechanism, coping mechanism is to turn to drug use, um, use the lean and all this other stuff. But a direct side effect of these drugs is increased or intense depression. Right, especially when you're talking about lean, which is an opioid. Yes. Like like literally uh, for I want to put this out here so people really understand like cuz sometimes ignorance of how you're doing some things you don't know any better. Right. Um there's heroin. 
A lot of people say, I wouldn't do heroin. Say it again. There is heroin. And a lot of people <laughs> say they wouldn't do it. But yet, you know, you chase these oxys. You know, you after the hydrocodone, you want the lean. It's heroin. It's heroin. You see what I'm saying? But you don't want to say you stuck a needle in your arm. Yeah. But this is what you're messing around with. And if you don't study your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And what happens is... I've been alive long enough now that I've seen how drugs go away and resurface. When I was born, heroin was like crack. Everybody was, you know, the 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 word was getting out that heroin is like, you know, you know, but it, it was it was hot at one time. Right. But, you know, I watched people get the word out and the heroin addict was like the worst kind of addict. You know, that's a guy on the street leaning sideways with his eyes closed. And nobody wanted any part of that for a long time, and it was taboo. Nobody wanted to do heroin. Like, you know, you start talking about recreational drugs that people think are cool. You know, like people were starting to sniff cocaine during this time period. They thought it was cool. So right. disco's coming in. Then crack came, killed that. Right. And then eventually people learned about crack, and you see people smoking crack anymore. But what happened is y'all forgot how bad heroin was in the interim. So you've been watching crackheads. You watch meth addicts run around. And people forgot that heroin is the original boogeyman right. and all of this. And it's back. Hmm. And it's got a new form. It don't come with the, the needle anymore that you stick in your arm that makes you look all ugly. It comes in a cup. It comes in a prescription. Right. And you're sitting there drinking this sweet candy juice. Right. And it's heroin. You know, kids are out here drinking heroin, basically. Right. Because when, you, you know, and this is facts, this is not my opinion, but um, once you begin to become addicted to that stuff, the when you can't get that stuff, that's what you go looking for is heroin. Yeah, because yeah, it's the, it, it's, <laughs> it feels the same. Yeah. What it is, synthetic. Heroin is natural, and they made a synthetic version that gives you the same properties so that you don't have to grow it. They can create it in a lab. Right. And that's what you're doing to yourself. And, and what happens in your brain why it causes mental illness is because it attacks your dopamine. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Send so much dopamine out. That's what what makes you happy mm -hmm. when you do drugs. And you're creating it artificially because normally your brain creates that when you have sex, when you meet a beautiful woman, when your kids tell you they love you. Right. When you do something nice for somebody, you get that same rush. Right. But drugs... Give it times 10. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you can't create it from those events like family reunions and weddings. They don't, they don't give you dopamine anymore. You need heroin for yep. it. Sitting there numb. And, and when you don't get it, since that's the only thing that, that sparks your happy juice in your brain. Right. You got to have it. You got to have it or you're not happy. Yeah. So about somebody on heroin, they going back. So so we got a whole group of people right now, a big part of the hip-hop community is causing their own mental illness right now right. with opiates. And they have no idea that the end result is you're erasing your ability to be happy with normal things. Right. You know? You got to get out this soapbox, man. They're going to stop listening. Hey, I'm not. I, this is not a soapbox. Like, I know. Man. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's marijuana is a is a lesser way of doing the same thing. You right. you know, um, it's not as strong as heroin. Yeah, but 
for a brief moment, people forget about their problems. Mm-hmm. If you smoke too much marijuana, you will not address your issues. I promise you. Period. You will not. You know right. what I'm saying? Because you found a way to not care about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what marijuana does, you know? Right. And if you smoke too much of it, eventually, the only way, the only thing that's going to make you happy <laughs> is more weed. You're not going to find joy in the regular stuff. Right. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's not by any means the the effect that, that a heroin or opioids is going to give you. You know what I mean? Right. But but I'm just saying you can't do too much of anything and you can't use even alcohol. It's, it's legal to buy, but you can't use it to, alcohol is a to cover up a problem. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. <laughs> But anyway, we, we we digress just a little bit. But let's talk about let's talk about Kendrick Lamar for a little bit. Interesting story, man. Kendrick Lamar said he was depressed, and you know the level of talent that Kendrick Lamar has. You know, I'm not saying you got to be crazy to be talented, right? But you know, it wouldn't surprise me to find that that he struggled with something. You right. know, but but when you think about depression, you say, what is Kendrick Lamar depressed about? You know, right? But it turns out that he has an issue like his his battle with depression comes from not being able to do enough with what he has. He has a huge platform. Right. He has money and influence, power to some degree. Uh-huh. And with all of that, he can't get the people around him to not kill each other. Right. And that, you know, that causes a depression for him. It's right. like, why do I have this? If I can't do nothing, if with I can't it. do nothing with it, it's you like know a what I mean? curse, right? Especially for somebody who wants to to cause change, right? You know, right. so and you know, here goes another thing that that a lot of artists like we see artists struggle with their mental illness while they're in the limelight, but the thing that people don't talk about, and I'm going right back to comparing artists and athletes. The thing that people forget about is when the applause is over. Huh. You know, this is some, like, artists, athletes, they've been performing for the approval of an audience. Right. For years. Right. And uh, audience is a crew. Yes. You know, they love you when they love you, but when they don't love you anymore, they let you know. They don't, you know, they don't give a shit. I, I, I'm sorry. They don't care how you feel. Sound like Mitch from Paid in Fool. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, if your feelings. If I stop, are they still gonna they still gonna clap for me? Nope. <laughs> they still gonna love me? No, and that's just and that's just as real as it gets, you know. Um that's life. You know, it's all gonna come to an end one day. But mm. You have to prepare yourself for that too, right? And you know when the when the end of all that comes, some people can't handle that, and that's another cause of a men, you know that some causes some people mental illness. When Absolutely. you're used to walking out of the house and everything's free and everybody wants you, everybody's inviting you everywhere you go, mm-hmm. and then one day that stops, and you right. realize you don't even know how to set up a social gathering because you've never had to do it the way normal people do. Right. Every time you wanted to, to attend a social function, you were invited and you were the main guest. The main guest. Yes. Now all of a sudden, nobody cares if you're there or not. Right. 
and, and you know, so you have to learn how to how to have a social life. Right. And that that can drive some people, you know. To an episode. To an episode, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's why you find, you know, and then you, you want to, what's wrong with that guy? Do you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean there's no table? You know right. what I'm saying? Flipping over stuff, you know what I'm saying? Doggone it. I won a Grammy in 1996. Right. <laughs> And there goes your episode. Right. Because, and that's not the first time it happened. It's like the 150th time. And now it finally broke. It's like, I can't take being normal. Right. Ain't never been normal. Yeah. You know? And um, <laughs> it's just so many things out here that, that, that you know, hip hop is fighting against and trying to, right. you know, so, so the battle for mental health is real. And while all that's going on, you know, you got to think, man, there's the also the added burden of being the only person in your circle with any resources. Uh, the provider. Oh my gosh. Right. The provider is dealing with a true mental struggle. Absolutely. It's the weight of the world on his shoulders. Look at Soldier Boy. You know? So so when you see the guy flashing money and smiling, right. and then they tell you they're depressed on the other side. <laughs> You got to understand it's bigger than that money they're flashing because some of them's mom is sitting there worrying them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mom, I just gave you $5,000. Then you're supposed to put that on the more. Uh, your, your cousin needed a car fix. Right. Can you just pay, pay it now? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's some people actually living that type of life mm-hmm. and they have the burden of supporting their entire families. Right. You know, like, like you're sitting here, Britney Spears. Her her mental health struggles have been documented a lot lately. Right. But look, man, everybody in her life was earning money off her work. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Right. So there's no telling what kind of mental health she would have had had she not been busting her hump for the past, you know, 15 years, touring relentlessly, right. singing, dancing, staying in shape, trying to look cute. Trying to stay out of the tabloids while she want to be in having a normal life at the same time. Can't have a boyfriend. Right. Daddy taking all the money. You see what I'm saying? Like, that'll drive you crazy. But that's a consistent theme that um, if you listen to a uh, majority of these artists, um, if you listen to them, the consistent thing is like, I don't know if I this is what I wanted. This is what I signed up for because I can't be normal anymore. Right, and, and then, some people, some people sign up for that, and some people don't know that's the result right. of fame. Right, but they, um, and then like I was about to say, you got Jay Z said, "Give me all of it." Yeah, you know? and yep, but so, yet he ended up talking about he felt depressed. Yep, <laughs> and and you know Jay Z is somebody who you can kind of he wanted this level of attention from the beginning. Yes. You know, the, so this was his end game. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember getting getting involved and as as I got more popular, I didn't like uh it was uncomfortable to me to be um one if anybody act giddy when they see me, "Oh my god, it's Gabriel J." Right. That makes me extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Cuz I don't look at myself like that. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, well, you know, it's weird. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it, it's happened before. You know, um, stuff like that is it's like, so just having that, when it start to happen, I was, I was like, man, I wouldn't want this to be the way it is every time I go out. Right. You know, and they didn't, that's life after a certain point, you mm-hmm. know, if you, so, 
So I knew that I wasn't interested in, I don't want to be that kind of famous mm-hmm. unless I'm that kind of rich. Right. And that type of famous always comes before that kind of rich. And that's when you get yourself killed. I ain't messing around before you. When you turn famous, you got to get rich before you get killed, so you can get away from the people who hate that you're so famous. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying? Because they coming, right? And that in itself is more stress, which causes depression. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? So here's the deal. Um, another another reason people get depressed and and people go through this mental illness because rappers didn't know that. When they were struggling, here they are. They're looking around. All these people were all here in the same game together. Mm-hmm. You got friends. Then something happened, and you're the only one to blow up. To people that used to be your friends, y'all, you know, y'all came up together, and they're not your friends anymore. It's a term for that. Um, not separation anxiety, success anxiety, or something like that. Well, yeah. that's that's real, man. Because you, and what happens is is since these people have all struggled together, when one person gets more than everybody else, especially in in a situation where you're surrounded by people who might want to take what you have, you end up making sure that they have as much as you have. Right. One, to make sure that they're never so uncomfortable with with what you have to Mm -hmm. want to take it. Mm -hmm. And two... Just so that you can keep people around who knew you when you were really you. Right. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's what I was saying earlier about the uh, bipolarism. Um, Because, like you said, that at some levels people want to keep people around. Or that's how you have an artist who wants to, quote, unquote, keep it real and keep doing dumb stuff out in the streets and stuff. Right. Because they can't separate. Scared. They've never been on their own. Yes, and and you know as as hard as it is out here in the streets, and as much as everybody says I made out here all by myself, the no. truth is that crew and that posse has always been there. Yeah, you know they tell you these are my day ones. We birthed in the same hospital. Mamas are best friends. Mm-hmm. We went to kindergarten together. You know these guys, and you know they stay in the same neighborhood all their life. Right, so. You know, it's hard to go out here and imagine a life without the people you grew up with. But the only way to keep them around is to make sure they have stuff, too. So now if you got four friends, you got to work for four people. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. That's why you cut them off before you make it. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and cut them off. Everybody can't come, B. Hey, Everybody can't come. Hey. Hey, but but they yeah. need to stress me out. You know what I'm saying? So go ahead and change the number. Yeah. Stop answering the phone, B. Hey man. Hey, my my computer's frozen, man. Who's who's next after Kendrick Lamar? It's a um, when you leave here. I think you still got time to stop by Family Dollar and pay the lady at the register the extra five dollars for the upgraded plan for your phone. Hey man, we in this dungeon down here. <laughs> you know, it'll work when I walk out the door. Um, Dog Man X. Ah, DMX. Now, having met DMX several times, I'm almost well. Of course, it's it's obvious that DMX had mental issues. Yeah, but um, right. it didn't take long to see it. You know, right. spend a little time with DMX, and you know something's not right. Crack could do it to you. Ah, yeah, he did smoke a lot of crack. Then. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crack could do it to you. Yeah, and crack, um, yeah, crack, crack eats that dopamine right up too, man. Tears your brain to pieces, man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, yeah but DMX, the thing, um, the thing about DMX, this dude was all over the place. But I know, I think he had bipolar in his, in his um diagnosis, didn't he? Uh, doesn't yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, those extreme highs and extreme lows are associated with bipolar. You mm-hmm. know, that's what I saw out of DMX. So I'm pretty sure he wasn't medicating. If we're in the middle of an interview and he's bawling, crying over something that he just remembered. You see what I'm saying? Because right. that's an extreme low that just came out of nowhere. So I'm pretty sure you're not medicating if you in here crying during an interview with some strangers. You know what I mean? Right. Then you got um, next is Chance the Rapper, and uh, he struggles with anxiety. And he said now he may have PTSD because of death of his close friends. And this is his quote. Anxiety is something that I'm just getting exposed to. It's a big conversation, the idea that I'm getting introduced to now. He said it's in 2020. Hey, um, PTSD, that's a big one that we hadn't talked about yet. And right. I think that may be one of the leading causes, too, of, of you mm. know, I think a lot of our community is dealing with post-traumatic stress. Man. I've I've been, oh, man. I should probably get therapy myself because my years in hip-hop, I feel like I've seen a war. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I've been in the presence of so much gunfire and seeing so many people shot, mm-hmm. so many people killed. Mm-hmm. It's just at clubs and stuff. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, it, I've never been in a war. Right. But there's some soldiers that, I'm sure there's a soldier or two that has made it to Iraq and back without seeing anybody killed. Mm-hmm. As a DJ, I know that for a 10-year stretch, man, once a year I saw somebody killed. That's crazy. You know? And if not saw it, then I... You know, was was there the night that it happened? Might have happened in the parking lot, you know. And sometimes it's people that I knew, you know, like guys that used to come to the club and turn up all night, you know. And then somebody kill them, and they're not there anymore. And I've never gotten any therapy for that. For all the people I've seen and all the bodies, you know. And I don't know if I'm if I'm dealing with any PTSD, but it's not normal to see all that stuff. Right. And all that stuff that I've seen, anybody else who who's at a lot of the same places saw it too. Right. So, you know, I think back 1989 was the first time I was actually inside a place and somebody came in open fire. Damn. You know what I'm saying? I remember the song that was playing. What? The remix of the Sugar Hill Gang. Um, they did a remix in 1989. That was on when that happened. And that Grandmaster Slice song had come on earlier in the night, like right before it. I remember that too. You know what I'm saying? The one I was playing for you out there. Mm -hmm. We were at um, at a club outside of Greenville, somewhere between Greenville and Little Washington. I forgot the name of it. But um, they put this guy at the club, and he had one of those long rifle bullets. And I remember him going out the door while they were pushing him, saying, I'm bringing this, I'm going to put this in somebody when I get back. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then I, you know, I was, I remember talking to this girl and I saw dudes like, you know how you 
in country clubs, you know, country in in the country clubs nah, a big seat, club, a big but, concrete building, right. and you can't look directly at the door. There's just a barrier, yeah. so you can't see the door, right. and the people at the door can't see how many people in the club, right? Right, right, right. right. So I just see people running from behind the barrier, mm. and then the dude came in, and all I get is pop. And everybody dropped, you know what I'm saying? We're all behind the speakers and stuff. Right. But this is 1989. I was 16, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. And I'm out trying to have a good time, and, you know, somebody's firing a gun inside of here. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I don't know if any, I don't think anybody got shot that night, but... The very next year, I, <laughs> me and some dudes from Princeville, <laughs> went to Oak City. <laughs> to the turnout? No, club called The Hideout. <sighs> and I think that was the name of it. So, matter of fact, one of the dudes that was with me, oh, God rest his soul, he, um, we walked into that club, and this dude walked up, said something to him. He looked at me and said, yo, Jerome, this nigga talking about, he gonna kill me. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and the next thing you know, the dude started shooting. But at the time, back in the day, sometimes people have blanks. Uh. And they'll just be making a lot of noise. So he started shooting in his chest. And we all thought he shot. So I turned around, took off running. Right. Look it down like <laughs> bullets, you know. And I just take off, but I look and he's right beside me. Right. And um, you know, all the rest of the, the boys, I ain't put everybody name in this, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, but right. but you know, the crew, the, yeah. the guys that always hang around that group of people. Spotlight, shout out spotlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whole spotlight. <clears throat> um, the dude that was driving behind me. I remember looking up in my rearview mirror when we got to the car. Now, we were running through that, across that parking lot. They were shooting some real bullets. And when we got to our car, the bullets were real. Mm-hmm. And I saw the dude standing beside the guy behind me, car. Um, I know his name. I don't, even yeah. want, I don't know if he want to be in this story or not. Right. But, and dude started firing. When we got back to Tarboro, there was a bullet hole in that pillar between his front window and his back window, and he had bullet holes in his trunk. You know what I'm saying? So, and I, but this is before I'm graduating from high school. Right. So the the things that are happening that we're used to happening every weekend are starting to happen when I'm in high school. Uh-huh. You know, this is the crack, the the early crack era, or I guess it's the, it's the middle of the crack era. Yeah, I definitely playing that jigaboo music. I don't know, hey man, hey, I don't know what that was about, but, yeah, yeah. so we get back to Tarboro. So now, twice, you know, I've been involved in gunfire. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. At a club. And this continues on for years. Right. Years and years and years. It's been, But now it's been years since I've heard of shooting at a club. Because I don't go to clubs uh, anymore. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't even like, I don't even like DJing at clubs. Right, right. You I, know? I think the last time I went to a club, I... Um, I saw five people get run over by a car. You see what I'm saying? And two people got shot. That and night. did you get therapy for that? Heck no. But that has affected both of our mental states. And and these things happen, and there's no therapy for that. When no I was therapy. 16, I went home that night. I 
took my mom's car to the car wash at four o'clock in the morning. It was freezing outside, but mm. I couldn't. But I took off so fast that I threw mud all up the side of the car. Mm. Drove it all the way back. And I had to wash the car at four o'clock in the morning and then go home and act like nothing happened. Act like nothing happened. You see what I'm saying? Right. Never dealt with it. Never dealt with it. Never and talked all that, about it. Man, and there's so many of us seeing this weekend, you know, every weekend. And it's right. it's it's a hard thing to see, but you don't really think about the, the mental side effects right. of seeing all this violence. Yes. You see what I'm saying? So it's you normalized. Know, Right, right. And, and you know, and sometimes when I find myself in a situation, like, when this is what I'm used to, mm-hmm. then sometimes I find myself in the mood in the wrong place. Right. At the wrong time. Right. You see right. what I'm saying? Right. Not being able to separate it. Right. Like, um, hmm. you know, like, for example, if... If I'm used to seeing, like, I see fights happen in the club, and then somebody break it up, and the person who got away go get a gun and shoot the person, you know. Right. So immediately understand that I'm not trying to get in a fight first. Mm-hmm. But if I do, you gotta turn off I'm going to disable you. Yes. You understand? Like, understand that off top. Right. You got to turn all the way You're up. not getting up and going to get no gun if you get finished fighting with me. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Because I've seen, because of what I've seen, Mm -hmm. I go about stuff like that in a different way than maybe most people might. Right. Every fight is life or death. Right. So I'm not ever trying to start a fight, ever. Right. But if I ever get, when it's time to. Right. I got to finish it. I'm fighting as if my life is on the line. Because you never know. Because if you get up. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you may do something crazy that could be the end of me. Right. So and that and even you know, you need therapy for all of this stuff, man. You know, like I know that um when when kids see school shootings, they get them all therapy. And I've been to so many clubs, club shootings, right? Stabbings. You know what I'm saying? I had a dude walk right past me, got stabbed in the club one night. And I was like, what's wrong with that guy? He just kind of bumped me and kept right on going. You know, it's like, jeez. But now I look, and this dude had a two-foot-wide trail of blood from the back of the club, Uh out the door, and dropped dead before he got to his car. Uh Somebody stabbed him in a crowded club, and nobody even knew what happened. And and we need to, as a community, we need therapy. Yes. We need it. You know, and the music... That should be therapeutic is now all it does is just glorify the violence that causes the problems in the first place. And everything that's depressing, you know, it's being glorified. You go back and listen to the message, which we open up with. It's talking about all the same stuff, but there's no glorification of any of it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I say to that, though? Um, I don't blame the messenger because it's a cycle. And what I mean by that is, like, we've been through the period where it was, this is the worst thing possible. But this is, like we said, it's normal for people who look like us. It's so much a part of our lives that how long are we going to cry about it? 
Now, I know that it's getting back to that point now with the music, but you think about the 90s where violence and stuff like that, now, that's where it was really glorified, this violence and stuff that plagues our community. And we the, walked around, you walked around with your chest out. It was, it was, you know, being a G, being tough was the thing to be, but that was just a mask. Because right. of the pain and the- everybody was really hurting on the inside. Yes. You know, because yeah. we had just come out of a situation where all the gains that we got from civil from the civil rights movement had been erased with yes. a wave of a magic crack wand. Absolutely. And we're coming out the flip side of that. And, you know, it's it's like we got hit by a wave. Um, you know, just twenty years before Ten years before crack, you know, you get black people, some of the first black people integrating neighborhoods we could never live in, going to schools we could never go to. Right. You know, and taking advantage of, of education that we could never get. Right. And the black middle class was expanding, you know, mm-hmm. had places where black home ownership. A lot of those neighborhoods, when crack came, man, the first thing they did was was obliterate those neighborhoods, man. Like Yes. Like, all these places that you call the hood now, they were just nice, middle-class black neighborhoods. Like That's what You they didn't were. refer to that as the hood. That was where black people stayed, where hard-working black people lived, and where you'd be proud to raise your family. Absolutely. You could buy a house, and you own it, and you're proud of what you've done. And shout-out to CIA, man. Y'all did the damn <laughs> thing, day, man. Yeah. Shout-out to CIA, man. You y'all, know? y'all did it, man. Yep. Proud and, to be an American. Yeah, so in in an attempt to undo all the, you know, the crack, crack was left unchecked because of the reversal that it did to everything good we had accomplished. Yes. From the 60s on. Mm-hmm. And, and to have that much stripped away from a group, we, we haven't addressed that as a as a group yet, and there's been no therapy for it. So a lot of the dysfunction that you see in the 90s is it comes from from that that pain and that trauma yes. of the loss that we took in the early and the late 80s and you know, all the way through the 80s. We lost all the way through the 80s. You and know what I'm saying? And we talk about the, the opioid, and, and, and this is me speaking. I don't represent the the show when I say this, but when when we talk about the opioid epidemic that's going on in America, this is nothing new. The only new part of it is that the seller has changed because you have Run Run and JJ from the hood selling this now to Susie and 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 them that are ODing on this stuff. This stuff has always been around. The only thing they did was change the name from speed to crystal meth, now to like opioids and stuff like that. But it's always been in their community. The only thing that has changed is the seller. And and that's why it's an, a, an epidemic now, because there's people out here getting rich on it who they didn't intend on getting rich from it. They didn't put, they didn't give this much attention to crystal meth. No, we all. won't sell in crystal meth. Yeah. We won't sell in speed. <laughs> this is true. You know what I'm saying? And there's and like I said, man, there's there's no therapy for living a life in a place where you watch so many people have access to so much opportunity. Yes, and that opportunity is not afforded to you. And that in itself. 
causes mental health issues, people. I'm yes. trying to tell you, there's nothing harder on the mental than living in a place like America, the shining beacon on the hill, hmm. watching everybody like you can move here and get a man. I watch people move here, don't speak well. They open up a store right in the neighborhood that nobody in the neighborhood could get a loan to get. Right, and they open. The How store, is yeah. this possible? And I've never figured it out myself, and and nobody knows. Right. So you know, like we're sitting here, not even in the know about how people who are able to come from other countries and open up stuff in our own neighborhood. We're not able. How how are they able to do that? We can't do it. How, how did they do it? Right. So it's so many like that. That is hard. That's a struggle. You know, people are struggling every day with the things. Like it's hard living in America when you're not winning. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because America is supposed to be a place where everybody wins. And, hmm. and you know, you need therapy when you're not winning in America because they right. crying out loud, man. They ain't let anybody be president here. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ain't so no. if you can't even get minimum wage, right. you know what I'm saying? You're going to have some issues. Absolutely. You know what I mean? The biggest artists in the, in our genre of choice, um, hip-hop, all have mental health issues. Sober or not. J. Right. Cole and Drake, as far as I know, Drake may drink, but Drake's not out here doing the hard drugs and stuff. Mm -hmm. J. Cole, I don't know. So even, what's the deal with Drake? Did he say he struggled with some mental illness? Man, Drake just ha just hasn't addressed his. Um, I've heard Drake talk about um, the stigma that goes along with being light-skinned. Mm. You know, and uh, at some point that plays on the psyche. If you listen to Drake's music, you could tell that it's playing on his psyche. He may not address it in that manner, but the type of music that Drake makes is something's playing on his psyche. Hey man, I've seen I've seen that struggle in in life. You know, I've seen um like I came up in a family like um my mother and father, like literally there was never any light skin, dark skin talk. You mm -hmm. know, so it wasn't like it's never been about skin tone, right? In within the four walls of my house, growing up as a child, right? You know, just that. And yeah. anybody who says I'm like, you know, they don't like light skinned people, or like they they were fools to me. You know what I'm saying? And still right. are. Like that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. You right. know what I mean? But um, but people think like that, and I have seen the mental effects. Absolutely. Of that mind, of that type of thought pattern on the people who are victims of that thought process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an awful, you know, it's awful because, you know, especially within within races. And it's not just our race that also causes mental illness. Like they by mm -hmm. doing that to girls, it's not just us. Like, um, yeah, um, over there in um uh, India, India has an issue with it. You see right. what I'm saying? Right. I noticed that Latinos, absolutely. You know, um, like so, so all of this, you know, is that's that's absolute ridiculous foolishness. Mm -hmm. But dealing with that separation, and that's something else inside of hip hop that causes people mental anguish that we hadn't even thought about. We hadn't even thought that maybe, yeah, that maybe Drake has to deal with some things that you don't have to deal with because of his skin tone. Absolutely. And you think, but in most people's mind, you think a light-skinned dude got it made. All the girls love him. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
So that's that's one of those things. And for most people struggling with mental illness, they're the kind of people that everybody thinks life is perfect. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up about Drake because it gives me an opportunity to address that foolishness, that colorism. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's been going on, you know, since the existence of time. Yeah, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, man. You know, yeah. especially amongst one race of people to be dividing your own people right. into class based on their skin complexion is, is oh, that's... Man, man I slap know. you for that. Get out of here, man. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, man. You know, but but I I can also say that growing up, when I didn't hear anything about that until I moved to Eastern North Carolina, mm. this is the first time anybody ever called me light skinned mm. Like, I, I, and yeah. I don't consider myself light skinned You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if you if you literally, if you were to take black people and take your darkest to the lightest, I would consider myself probably right in the middle, as mm-hmm. middle can get. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, when somebody says that's light skin, that means they've already been ingrained yes. with something that, that was foreign to me. Light uh, skin, what do you mean? You know, like when you think light skin, I'm thinking of a black person that could pass for white at that time, right? Because right? that would be light skin. Everything and everybody else is just brown. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Just brown. But um, yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, the, they were divided up down east, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we touched on that, man. The yeah. you know the the colorism causes mental instability within our own community, man. You shouldn't. You hmm. know, you got. People in, in they're telling little girls they're not pretty because their skin is darker than somebody else, man. Your right. your dark skin is beautiful. Right. Light don't do that on other people's skin. Right. You enjoy that dark skin. Pretty for a dark skin girl. Yeah, like statements like that. That's that BS. Yeah, man. And um, you know, um, Scarface. That's that's we're going we're gonna try to get through the rest of this right quick because we, yeah. we this is a good one, man. We need to have a part two of this. Yeah, and there's some people that I would like like there's actually one person in particular I like to bring on. I don't have the liberty mm. to talk about his struggle. Okay, you know what I mean. But right. if he would be willing to share it, right? Especially coming from a rapper who's dealt with it, because like I said, I know so many people, and I would love. I would love to get a little bit more on his story. Right. But let, let's jump into Scarface right quick. Man. Scar- yeah, Scarface is probably one of the most certified, well-documented, you know, he's been dealing with, with mental illness since he was 12 or 13 years old. But um, the thing about Scarface, man, is his mental illness is a little bit, I would say it's a little bit more serious than even some bipolar that some people had show up when they're 20 and 21, 19. Right. Scarface, you know, he was institutionalized briefly. You're talking about 12, 13 years old. So mm-hmm. his mental illness showed itself way earlier than most. Right. And and he has way more experience right. dealing with it. Right. You know, so here's a guy who has the most well-documented cases of mental illness out of everybody we name, mm-hmm. but has given you the least problem. The least problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ran yep. for office. Yep. In Houston. Yep. President of Def Jam South. And and when when Jay Prince brought him, um, Willie D and Bushwick Bill together, mm-hmm. genius. Yeah. Because the stuff that Willie D was talking about, he had mental issues. <laughs> oh man, and Bushwick but, was definitely mentally ill. What what better group of guys to call the Ghetto Boys? 
They look, they should have called them the psych ward boys. Yes. Because when I saw that picture of Bushwick coming out of there, I was like, oh, they come out of the mental hospital. But yeah. then I looked close. I was like, oh, that's the hospital hospital. His eyes hanging out of picture. his head. Yeah, I know that was real. The guy shot in the face. Yes. <laughs> Man. Man. But to even put that on, to, for all three of them to agree to make that the album cover, let you know that <laughs> they give two. That lets you know exactly what they were, where they were, man. Yeah. But um, but yeah, man. There's so many. There's so many levels, and um, there's so much to talk about here, man. Like, I don't really want to end this. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's so much more, man. Like we talk about that therapy, and um, you know, artists putting. Using the music as therapy, man, and and I hear a lot of that when I listen to Lil Baby, man. I think he he makes great therapeutic music for right for today's listener, man. If you really sit down and listen to what he's talking about, mm-hmm. he doesn't glorify quite the way that everybody else does. He speaks about what's going on from a point of I wish it wasn't like this, right. You know, right? Rather than I love that it, it's this way, and I wish it would always stay this way, which is what you get from some other artists. You know, so um, he's he's definitely um, I think he's got some therapeutic benefit, you know, to his um, to some of his stuff, man. And I bet he uses his therapy too to get that stuff off. You know what I mean? Right. But we're hour and 14, 15 in right now. Yeah, man, we just gonna have to cut it down. We're gonna have to definitely come back to this, man. Uh, you know, I want to leave with something, man. All right, you know, and it's, I'm not gonna cut it out, you know, because I got away with it when we did the episode with Ski. But I think this this choice of track right here is very fitting to end this one out. All right, and I'm gonna give us this is Capital City with Capital J. You know what this is? This is a song about a rapper's struggle with mental illness. When I die, I want to go to hell. Because I'm a piece of shit. It ain't hard to tell. It don't make sense going Hey, hold on, man. Cut, that, cut it off for a second. Hey, listen. Listen, man. You open it right back up. We ain't stopping right now. We are not stopping right now. Anybody that says that. Yes. Is mentally ill. What? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What? Big, hey, <laughs> this dude's going through something, man. But but that brought me to the part that we did not get to, so we cannot get out of here yet, okay. man. Till we go. talk about suicide. Yeah, man. I well, that's the end game for you know mental. There is no fixing it when somebody goes there, and and that song right there, it you know. That was an eye opener, man. Let you know that Biggie, as jovial as he seemed, he had some dark moments, and yes. he he thought enough to write that down because he couldn't. I don't care how creative you are, bro. If you didn't get, if you didn't go there at some point, you couldn't write that track. No, 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 no. You cannot do that. And definitely, if you're talking about you want to go to hell, then I know you know. <laughs> Something must be wrong here. Right. Very, very wrong. Because, you know, in the black community, there's a. it's not like people are not familiar with what hell is supposed to be. You're saying that's what you where you want to go, then I'm immediately questioning your sanity. Right. You know what I'm saying? But speaking of suicide, this is the one place we didn't get to. Your boy Logic. 
Hmm. He did the the one eight hundred suicide song, right? And I think that was the biggest song in his career. He directly addressed mental illness, especially suicide, and getting help before it gets to that point. But you told me something I didn't know. What led him to write that song? Um, and he talks about it in the song is the what Charlemagne said about him. Mm. Uh, so the so media personality Charlemagne basically called him garbage, and said that he shouldn't be rapping. And oh man! That was a part of it, but that was like the consensus of a lot of media personalities during that time. And oh, they were tired of logic. Yes, man. And you know, me from a fan perspective, like to me, logic's not nice. Somebody else who was very critical of logic, uh, which we didn't get to him either, and he was kind of like the poster child um, of mental health during the time when the internet wasn't as popping. Joe Button. I was gonna say that Joe Button, right? Man, Joe Button still have his moments now. If you just look at his demeanor, you could tell that Joe Button still has has his um, moments now. And uh, I think he kind of shied away from it. And this is just me from a fan perspective. He kind of shied away from it because um, they accuse him of abusing the drugs. To help him deal with it. So instead of him jumping on the bandwagon about mental health, because he had been on that, the leader of one of those bandwagons for so long, he just kind of stayed away from it. He didn't want his personal stuff to come out as much as it was coming out. Right. But yeah, Joe Button, man, for a long time, from um, being a, a, a womanizer to a drug abuser to battling with depression, like all these different sides of having these mental issues. Joe Buttons has been a part of a lot of it. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I, I knew, I do remember him having some issues early on, but, um, you know, I didn't think about him as being one of the, you know, he's been a big open, he's kind of been open with it, you know? Absolutely. So, and, you know, he hasn't, you know, for the most part, man, He's had his his private his battles have mostly been in private, right? You know what I mean. Now the one last one, um, you know, I think a lot of artists too, like we we talk about how gay people who haven't come out of closet, um, it, most gay people who have come out of closet talk about the extreme mental burden it is to be right living in something that you're not. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can imagine, man, like, if there are this many gay people in society and we're not seeing it reflected in hip-hop, right? then I'm pretty sure a lot of this mental illness we're seeing, too, is just a lot of people can't come out. But you think about how long it took Queen Latifah and the Brat to actually come out of the Yeah, closet. two of the toughest, managed women in hip-hop. That nobody suspected to be about a, a boyfriend ever, and, and it took them forever to admit that they that this is the reality that they're living. You know what I mean? Right. And the mental anguish that had to come with that, I'm pretty sure. Man, you know. And the crazy part about it is, if you ask most men what their sexual fantasy is, it's two women. So mm -hmm. why was it so hard for those two women to come out because of society? Well, you know, I and I don't, I and I, I don't know if it would have affected either one of them back then because they were like, so manly. I, 
You can't call those women, man. Well, yeah, I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna yeah. take. I here was the thing. I met yeah. Queen Latifah in real life, yeah. and from that point, I was never ever attracted to her again because right. her persona in real life, she was herself, she didn't and like that person is not attractive to a man. Right. That person right. is like all other men to me. Absolutely. You know, I'm sitting at the bar and she's smoking Newports, drinking a beer with a tank top on and her hair braided back mm-hmm. with all the other fellas. Right. right, right. And, and you know, and I'm not, and I didn't have any problem with it at all. I'm just saying this is just her and that's not, a, you know, it's not something that I'm looking at like. Right. But I remember when I first saw her, I did think she was very attractive. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, you realize that, that that's not what she's interested in, so I'm not interested. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. And I kind of felt that way about the bread a long time ago. Absolutely. You know, I could tell she had that big, chunky onion in them things, yeah. in them jeans, but I was like, she don't show it because she don't want dudes bothering her. That's obvious. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Anybody, ain't too many girls going to have an onion. Right. And they don't want you to know. Absolutely. Unless they don't want to be bothered. Like, I couldn't believe Remy Ma got married. You couldn't believe she got married? No, nah, man, I thought she was... <laughs> I thought Remy was into women. Oh, I, I now, her and Pat Poo's been an item for so long that... I was surprised. Now, that didn't really surprise me because they've been, a, they've been together for so long. I remember, I remember that, yeah. but I'm just saying I was surprised. But here's the thing, like, Rod Digger is kind of tough, but I yeah. didn't... Like, meeting Rod Digger... She's, she's. I don't want. I don't want to say masculine, but she. There's. She didn't come on like as 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 masculine as her rhyming seems to be. Right. And it's just that when you meet her, same thing with um Remy Ma. You kind of tell they're not gay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Or you know maybe I dig it was, but I I just she didn't seem gay to me. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, I could see you making that mistake from the rhymes. And then Queen Latifah, yeah. on the flip side, her rhymes didn't sound as as mannish and tough as, as Raw Digger and Remy Ma. No, you see what I'm saying? Right. But, but that's yeah. right. You know, but but it's obvious when you meet them. Right. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know. I can't call it. But trying to trying to keep that secret mm-hmm. is damaging to your mental health. Yes. And, um. You know, you know how, and then even another thing, if you're famous and people are always speculating that you're gay and you're not, yes, it's man. damaging to your mental health. Right. You know, right. like, think about Puffy at this point. Whether Puffy is gay or not. Right. It, it, he's, he's, he can't get any rest. Because no. if he's not gay, everybody thinks he is. Yes. And that sucks. Right. And if he is gay, he has to come out of the closet and, and he's doing straight at 50 years old, you still ain't come out of the closet. You know that has to be weighing on his soul. Right. I'm, and and if that's the case, then, right. you know, that's because Puffy recently was on, you know, talking about how depressed he was. I think it was around New Year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm depressed. Um, and. Yeah. 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 Hey. And shoot. And we just went through this COVID situation. And like I said, man, hey, if right. you know anybody that's struggling with mental health, we always say this. The. I think the suicide hotline is 1-800-SUICIDE. Please have anybody that you think needs help. You make sure they have that number and you stay with whoever you need to stay with. And right. um, and as far as the, the artists out here, man, y'all take care of yourself. Get some therapy if you need it. It's hard. It's hard out here. And if you got a lot of people depending on you, you need your mind too. 
You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. mental health is important. And we here at the Capital City Podcast, we care. Right. So we're going to tell you right now, drugs, that's a crutch. going to make it worse. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, get proper sleep. Eat right. Um, practice making yourself happy with healthy things. Right. So you can teach your brain how to appreciate the things it's supposed to appreciate in life. You know what I'm saying? Look at a baby and smile. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because babies are cute. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and look, man, I think it's important to say, too, you know, like Cap J said, we, we care. So at any point that we touch on a topic and you want to share your concerns or give us feedback, um, send us an email at um, info at overhearetv.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at O-V-E-R-H-E-R-E-T-V dot com. And, um, you know, if we get enough feedback or things of that nature, we'll we'll definitely follow up on one of these conversations. And, you know, if... Um, yeah, it could be something we missed. Right. And and also, it, you know, because we, we get the numbers. Like, people, you, you guys are listening um, be sure to like and um, subscribe and um, comment, you know, whatever platform you're listening to us on, um, comment on the, the, the shows, you know, um, because we, like I said, you can send an email, but if you put it out there for the public to see, that's even better. And um, you're almost guaranteed to get a, a, an immediate response from us if you put it out there publicly, you know, um, because, you know, th- this is an open platform and um, us sharing our opinion or having conversation, um, your your opinion and your your statements or, you know, being a part of the conversation is just as important. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, indeed, man. So, hey, like we said, people, we care. We love y'all. That's it. I'm your host, Capital J. It's my main man, D.L. Glass.
This is Capital City with Capital J.